Welcome to Gross Anatomy. Are we live, Lauren? We are live with Gross Anatomy Podcast, where we explore the sights, smells, sounds of medicine and how it pertains to pop culture, meaning books, movies, TV, and the world around us. And sometimes we talk about other podcasts like we've been doing recently. True that. And I am Dr. Jason Cohen. I'm tired today. And who are you? I'm Lauren Taylor. I wanted to um, give a little update on our last episode. We talked about Amy Schumer and how she had endometriosis. Endometriosis. It's like, I have to say it very slowly. So thank you for for me. Mm -hmm. But she had that where we discussed how it's like a tissue that usually lines the uterus that sometimes grows in different places. So she had to have her uterus. She chose to have her uterus removed and her appendix removed because there was tissue in there as well. And so- in doing that procedure, they were able to remove a lot of the tissue lining that didn't need to be there, but they also found a tumor and they removed that. And it was apparently non-cancerous. And I told you that update and you said a term, or I don't know if it's a non-term term, but that that is called an incidental OMA. Yeah. It's kind of a made up word, you know, OMA meaning like some kind of growth or tumor and incidental meaning incidental. And it happens a decent amount of time that um, either based on like someone gets a CAT scan for who knows what, and it shows something unexpected uh, that turns out to be a tumor or some growth, and we'll call that an incidentaloma, or you operate on somebody for some reason, and here you think you're just doing XYZ, but again, something else shows up un- unanticipated, unplanned, and we might call that an incidentaloma also. And it's an interesting phenomenon, you know, of that happening both occasionally in an operating room setting or um, based on a scan and something like that. And, and, you know, those are sometimes those happily ever after moments when someone, you know, you may operate on someone, I think it was actually even in a movie, like someone got, what was that movie? Oh God, now it's going to bother me about the guy who won the lottery. Do you remember that movie? Anthony LaPaglia was the actor who actually disappeared. I don't know where that guy went. I mean, I know that actor. I don't know what movie yeah. it was. I remember Nicolas um, Cage winning the lottery and he split the ticket with like a waitress. I think it's called like 29th Street or something. And he was like this great, and it's based on a true story and about some guy who got stabbed. And when they, so he needed emergency surgery. And because of that, his emergency surgery, they found some tumor that, Otherwise would have been caught late. And, you know, so it saved his life, um, you know, by having that tumor resected. And and occasionally we actually do see that. And it's yes, it's called 29th Street. I recommend it. It's with Anthony LaPaglia and Danny Aiello. And it's based on a true story. Okay, that sounds interesting for sure. So I have a few questions based on this incidental omas. And like, what have you found? Like, what has you've been most surprised by? So a lot of patients, you know, I do a lot of thyroid surgery. So a lot of patients will wind up getting, they'll see like pain doctors for neck pain and things like that. And they'll get an MRI or they'll get a CAT scan of the neck area. And it's so common to find an incidental thyroid nodule that usually is nothing, but very rarely we'll get a needle biopsy of it. If it looks somewhat suspicious, it'll turn out to have a thyroid cancer that might need surgery. So that's definitely something that I've seen a lot of is, is, and a lot of doctors notice, send me those patients 
with the thyroid nodules. You know, they're going in for neck pain and boom, they find a thyroid nodule and then maybe it's thyroid cancer. So that's a very common thing that I see. That's kind of the, that's the, I mean, we see so much other stuff. Um, actually, we had a weird case a while ago within the last year of a woman who we were going to fix a hernia on. She was very symptomatic from a hernia and we looked inside and we saw these spots and we were doing it with scopes and cameras and we saw these spots all over the abdomen that shouldn't be there. And it kind of looked like pimples on all the surfaces. So we did some biopsies of the pimples and then we did our surgery because it was everywhere. And the pathologist at this hospital, it was a hospital we don't often go to, just read it as possible, very aggressive, bad cancer. Uh, and it, it sent us and the patient into this major shock. And luckily we reviewed it with experts and had the pathology re-reviewed and it turned out to be nothing, oh but it was God. just a potential case where for weeks until we kind of really figured it out here, this patient thought, oh my God, I had a hernia fixed and now I, I may die from something. And that, that, that was pretty crazy, but luckily it ended up happily ever after, but wow. that kind of thing could happen too. Wow. That, yeah, that would be terrifying for those few weeks. Yeah, for but, sure. But yeah, at least she got a positive outcome. Yeah. But so my question is like with Amy Schumer, so they found like a tumor on the appendix and you always hear like, you know, the appendix has to be taken out, but is there, there's no like ultrasound or anything where you can actually like see like that there was a tumor before you went in? Sometimes on a scan, you might see a little growth on the, uh, a growth on the appendix, but if it's small and caught early, you may not, you may not, and, and scans are only so good, you know, they don't always see things because there's all this other stuff there. It's not like you take a picture of someone's face, it's black and white, you know, or, or sometimes a color. So, and it's, and it's not in 3D and, and all of that. So it definitely has its limits. So that's, that's why, why we'll often, Sorry. So that's why incidental omas, there, there might be like more of them than you think. Exactly. Okay. And, you know, sometimes there's this whole dilemma when you're thinking about getting a scan of a patient who you know you're following something, sometimes you're reluctant to do it because it may lead to finding all these ditzels everywhere. And then you have to kind of figure out what each thing is to make sure it's nothing. And usually they're nothing, but rarely, rarely it's something. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm sure she's, as Amy Schumer said, she, uh, she cried through the findings. Um, she had a tumor, a ravaged appendix, chocolate cyst in both ovaries. So they found a lot. So she made the right decision. She's still oh, yeah. adam adamant that more um, research needs to be put into endometriosis, endometriosis, um, because it's not studied like, uh, the penis is studied because it happens in women. <laughs> what? <laughs> I think she said because it's not a a, a D disease. Meaning, she said that. Yeah, and one of her uh, tweets, she said it's not like you know how so much research went into erectile dysfunction. You know, if like a quarter of that went into study like women suffering, she's uh, adamant that this would be better. Interesting. You know the the discovery of Viagra and Cialis for erectile dysfunction. It was incidental. They, it wasn't that they were working on a medicine for erections. It was actually a medicine to help breathing. It's based on nitric oxide that helps open up the lungs and help patients 
with breathing heart related problems. Incidentally, the men who were taking those pills for their heart and their lungs were noticing better, stronger erections. And that's how oddly and interestingly enough, those medicines were discovered. It wasn't really, hey, we need to find a better erection medicine. It was, we're trying to find something for the heart and the lungs and people with certain types of disorders to help deliver oxygen and stuff. Wow, it's also bringing good oxygen to the penis. Here we go, we're onto something. That's why we do this show. Look at you, spreading the truth. Yeah, because like, she's famous. Her tweet can be heard, you know, the world around and good good for her for bringing attention to this. But at the same time, you're right. It's not necessarily true that all this money went into that. It was for no, a different cause. That's very, not initially, not initially, okay. but, but it was a, a happy, happy uh, discovery. Nice. So in the news, there was supermodel Linda Evangelista claims that she got a botched cool sculpting procedure that left her deformed And the lawsuit claims that this botched cosmetic procedure left her disfigured and depressed and is seeking $50 million in damages. That is amazing. Yeah. And she wrote that Zeltique Aesthetics Cool Sculpting did the opposite of what it promised. It increased, not decreased her fat cells. Yeah. I assume that she meant her face because those are the only, that's what I think of when I think of like deformed, right? You're usually talking about your face. No, but you can also talk about your abdominal wall or your arms, you know, and be lumpy, bumpy in different places. You know, your abdomen may not be flat and you may have lumps and bumps, but who knows? But mostly I'm sure it's the face or maybe the neck or, or who knows? But luckily we're going to have my wife, Bernice, the master injector as a guest to try to explain some of that to us. Cause I'm clueless yeah. about I've it. I've only seen like the only photos I saw of her looked like she's 56 years old. She just looked like a a 56 year old mom, you know, like she right. is. She looks like a regular lady yeah. who's. I mean, her who's face looks puffy. Skinny. Yeah. Looks puffy. Yeah. Maybe she has, you know, she's just aging. Maybe she doesn't work out. Maybe she doesn't exercise. Maybe she eats a lot. Maybe she has other medical issues. Who knows? You know, right. it'd be interesting to see what her mother looks like right. and her siblings look like, you know, to get a sense of is she just unfortunately not a youngster anymore? Right. And we'll be following this case because it is interesting to see, like, you know, she's going to have to prove a lot. I imagine to win $50 million. I guess. But I have a feeling I'll I'll be surprised if the company doesn't wind up having to settle some amount of money to her just because it's so high profile. But maybe I'm wrong. I mean, maybe they'll just lawyer up and uh, yeah, because they may have to fight it all the way because otherwise it could be a weird precedent. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with the case. Right. And luckily we have on an expert to talk about cool sculpting because I don't really understand it. Me neither. So um, today we are super duper lucky to have an amazing guest, actually a repeat guest um, who just happens to be my wife, my amazing wife, Bernice, also known as the master injector. Bernice is a, uh, what are you, Bernice? Hi. So I am a registered nurse. I'm also a public health nurse with a Bachelor of Science in Nursing, and I'm a certified aesthetic nurse specialist as well. So I specialize in cosmetic injections and lasers. And, and not to just, you know, toot your horn for you, but um, you're pretty impressive. And not just because you're my wife, but you're, you're pretty much known, certainly around the country, but maybe even around the world, as an expert in 
injectables and lasers and and all these fakakta new outside the box procedures when it comes to cosmetics and dermatology. So when Lauren was like, hey, this is an interesting thing going on in the world. Who but better, who who would be better to have than Bernice? So I'm gonna I'm gonna let Lauren now uh get into what the meat of this. <laughs> My first question was have you ever worked with cool sculpting and do you know like how it works? Can you explain it a little bit? Because I don't understand it. I do. So from the time we're infants, we are growing fat. We continue to grow fat until we're about 22 years old. At that point, we start slowing down the growth of fat until it completely stops growing. The way that cool sculpting, the reason cool sculpting was even invented is because of cold pops that children used to suck on during the summers. What what the mothers would notice is during the summertime when it was hot outside, kids would suck on like freezer pops. And um, the fat around the area where they would be sucking would completely go away, but it would start growing back um, after summer was over. And that's because these, uh, they were kids. Kids still continue to grow fat and we continue to grow it until we're 22. So cool sculpting uses that idea of freezing or keeping, keeping the tissue really, really cold because fat, our fat, uh, it freezes at a much higher temperature than water freezes. And it's, that freezes at about 38 degrees. Water freezes at 32 degrees. 38 degrees is when, um, when our fat freezes. And fat, uh, when, it get, when it freezes, it goes through an inflammatory process called apoptosis. It releases an enzyme. Apoptosis kills off itself. So when fat freezes, it sends off that enzyme to kill itself. The fat cell now dies. And our bodies then absorb or emulsify the dead fat cells. Fat cells, once we're over the age of 22, 23, 24, they don't replicate themselves. They, they will not reproduce. So if you kill off a fat cell, it won't go back, go back or theoretically will not grow back. In about one in a million or, or two, three in a million cases, fat cells do grow back. But the majority of cases... It, it really is an outlier of a case where the fat cells do grow back. But in the majority of cases, that, cell, that fat cell is gone permanently and will not grow back. It will not replenish itself. It will not renew itself. So fat freezing or cool sculpting, we, we utilize it. It's, it's, a little, it's kind of like a little cup that has a little vacuum on it. That vacuum cup sucks in the targeted fat. And that targeted fat, then we cool it to 38 degrees and we keep it cooled at 38 degrees for about an hour. That is sufficient enough time for that fat cell to go into apoptosis and kill itself off. That's so, how cool so sculpting works. How, how big of a circle is it? Is it, it each time you do it? Is it about like the size of uh, like a, a half dollar or like how big is each each? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. So it depends on the need. We have very small cups that are, that kind of fit under the chin. And those little teeny cups are enough to suck away, uh, suck and in about a golf one? club. And what's the biggest and then, one? And then the biggest one would, it is, would, is the size of about a half liter. Um, 
so we have different sizes, different shapes, different depths. It depends on what you're trying to eliminate. So we how have long a cup take, size for everybody. How long would it take to do my belly? <laughs> uh, are you really going to make me answer that on air? <laughs> no, I mean, like, how long would it take to do someone's abdomen? You know, generally, like, does it take uh, a few hours to do someone's abdomen? Like, how does that work? So we, we could easily uh, fit, depends how many she, machines the practice has. So if the practice has like four or five or four or six machines, you could literally have all six of those machines sucking onto different areas of your body at the same time, uh, putting those fat cells into apoptosis. So how long, if so you how long would it take? One hour. To do someone's entire abdominal wall, typically. If you had, if you had it depends on the surface area. And you just hook up, essentially, you hook up those cups to the amount of surface area that you have. So theoretically, if you had uh, enough machines in the room, you could do everything in one hour. Got it. And does it hurt? It, it feels very cold. It kind of, and, and it goes on slowly. So it starts room temperature, and then the vacuum sucks onto it. And then the temperature starts going lower and lower and lower and lower until it gets to that freezing point. So you don't really notice it necessarily, the coldness, but what you do notice is the vacuum. You, va- you notice your va- the vacuum sucking in the fat, and that sometimes is the hardest part to deal with. But it takes about three months to see the final result, even four months, as a matter of fact. And at that point, you could do it again and again and again. So every single time you do it, it takes away about I would say 20 to 25% of the fat in that area. So if you wanted to get rid of 100% of the fat in that area, it would take four sessions. Have you done it to a ton of people? Uh, In our office, we've probably done around 10,000 Zeltique procedures. Yeah. Have you had it done on yourself too? Many, many times. (laughs) (laughs) I, I think it's great. It works really, really well. The situation that we're seeing with Linda Evangelista, I have a lot of thoughts on that. Um, I, I myself am a former international model. I, I modeled with Linda. I was on the runway with her. Incredibly beautiful woman, incredibly exquisite, exquisitely beautiful woman, one of the most beautiful I've ever seen in my life. And, um, and it, it's, it's a shame. It's, it's sad what she's going through. I really, really feel for her. Uh, it's not something that we normally see. Like I was saying, uh, we definitely have it as a disclosure on our forms as a, as a possible, very, very remote side effect that could possibly happen. I personally have never seen it happen in my practice. Uh, but but it's definitely on the informed consent, uh, and that's why informed consent is so important, so that you know what you're getting into. Right, and so there's no procedure that can basically fix this, right? Because now her fat cells are growing back, like she's getting fatter in the face, it seems. She says she's deformed. It just looks like she has a puffy face to me, from what I can tell. Uh, it's, yeah, I... I you know, we get older, we get older, we all get older, um, we all change. And lots of us are doing cosmetic procedures in order to, you know, keep, keep it going. Um, but that's, that's unfortunately the reality with when we do any kind of cosmetic procedure is that they don't always work miraculously like we expect them to or hope that they're going to, which is why the informed consent is so important. 
And uh, I know it's on their website. I know that Zeltik has it on their website that, that the fat could continue to grow, and that is a possibility. Uh, it's hard for me to comment on exactly what Linda had done because I don't know what areas she did have it done. Right. Um, and, and I. So, uh, so one of the things that's known from it is it is it known that it could cause the fat to actually rather than disappear to grow exponentially, or not? No, really? that's an it's an that is an it's an absolute outlier of a case. Uh, I I have read it on the consent as something that could potentially happen, but I've never seen it in, in, I've been doing it for 15 years now, the, these kinds of procedures, I've never seen it happen. Um, It is a, it's an outlier of a case and they definitely have it as a potential side effect on the website. So I was a little surprised that she didn't know that. Um... But it is definitely on their website as a potential side effect. It is definitely on their their website as a potential. Uh, it's not to be expected, um, like I said, but they do have to list it as a potential side effect because when you really are uh, in giving good informed consent to any patients on any medical procedure, every single side effect that that is known medically should be on there. Right. And I know, you know, all too often you get a patient, especially patients who are getting these cosmetic procedures, they're getting them done because they're unhappy about something in their appearance. So, and, and they're, and they're definitely fixated and hyper aware of, of their appearance. So a lot of times people will come in. I know for you, I, I hear you for years, you know, you'll do something and then they'll talk about, um, you know, maybe you'll do something on this part of their cheek. And then they'll say afterwards, you know, now this part looks funny. And, and do you think it could just be that? Like it's, you know, she had X, Y, Z done, but now other stuff is more noticeable and apparent just because of between the aging process and what she's had done. Is that possible? Absolutely. Absolutely. That is absolutely a possibility. And I see it so often (laughs) and, and, um, Again, that's why the informed consent portion is so is so important because especially when someone has not had something done before, uh, the first time they really have anything done, suddenly they're really really looking not only at the area that was just treated, but everything uh, everything else around that area. And very often, patients will come back and say that they didn't they didn't have a mole, for instance, on the left side of their face. Uh, before they did the Botox on their forehead. And uh, that's why uh, photos are really important You get so that you get really good before photographs of everything because patients, they don't even realize that they, for instance, had that mole on the left side of their face. But once you inject them, once you do any kind of cosmetic procedure on them, all of a sudden they start really, really looking at all the parts of their face, all the parts of their body, and they start noticing little differences that may, they may not even have been aware of before. That probably has to be really, really important in what you do is before and after photos and during yeah, photos but, so that you could actually and during photos. Yeah, say to the patient, yeah, hey, yeah. But and it, and one thing, one yeah. thing that we notice with Zeltique very often is after we have Zeltique patients, um, for the most part, they get so excited that they're doing something positive for themselves that they start eating better, they start working out, 
they start drinking more water, they start doing all kinds of great, great things along with the fact that they started doing the Zeltique. But a, but a certain portion of our population will use Zeltique as a method of weight loss and they'll continue eating poorly or not exercise or not, not drink, not drink enough water, those things, because they're kind of relying on the Zeltique to do the hard work for them. So we see that as well. Yeah. And, and you don't know in this, you know, in her case is, is she just gaining weight and gaining weight and trying, you know, and eating and not exercising? And is she just relying on Zeltique for all we know? Who knows? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or could she have uh, some, or could she have some underlying, you know, autoimmune disorder or something else going on? And we just don't know, you know, in terms of you saying informed consent, what that also means is managing expectations, right? That that's really, and that happens with us too, is, is really letting a patient know what can, not just the bad stuff, but like how much improvement you're going to get. Tell me, Mm -hmm. Burn, what, uh, in terms of Zeltique, have you yourself seen any, anything go wrong? I'm just curious, or, or even your, like, what's the biggest thing that happens? You get crazy black and blue or bruised? Like what, what have you seen? So the worst thing that I've seen is that uh, too much of the fat was taken out. Another, another thing that I have seen is over a certain age, the quality of the fat changes and the, the fat freezing um, what you may think of as a, as a fat problem is actually just a tissue laxity problem. And when you get rid of the rest of the remaining fat, uh, you really see the crepiness of the skin. And that, may, that maybe was a patient that shouldn't have been Zeltique to begin with, but they should have done some kind of skin tightening procedure instead. Yeah. Actually, today, uh, go, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, another thing I wanted to say is um, being in that world myself of, of models, international models and, uh, and runway and Paris and Milan and all that stuff, those models are used to being exceptionally beautiful and being noticed for their exceptional beauty. And when, when, that, and when that exceptional beauty starts waxing and waning, they are acutely aware that they're not getting the same attention. They're acutely aware that they're not getting the same looks and aging ends up being much, much harder on the more beautiful people because they they're so used to being acknowledged for their beauty that that becomes their identity. They, and they, they haven't, they never really had to learn to rely on other aspects of their personality or their, um, their other abilities and it, 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 I really noticed that it's much harder on, on beautiful people to age. Yeah, that's interesting. Then, but today, yeah. you know, for example, I saw a lady today with breast cancer who I'd done a lumpectomy. I took out a little part of her breast with breast cancer in it. And it now, now because I removed that, there's where the breast cancer was on either side where there's normal breast tissue, you feel a ridge because there's an indentation. And, and this patient mm-hmm. feels like there's a mass there. And I have to explain to the patient, um, and it's been years, that it's just a ridge. They're feeling the ridge of normal tissue. And you, and you wonder, could the same thing be going on possibly with, uh, with her? Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Yeah. It could absolutely go in. And that kind of goes along with what I was saying earlier, when too much of the fat has been taken out, you then can kind of see like a, a ridge. And the answer to that is like in my practice, for instance, I'll use Kybella, which is deoxycholic acid to kind of artistically fan um, a fat dissolving liquid in and around the Zeltique area to minimize any of the shelving. So we very often in our practice will use a combination of Zeltique and Kybella in order to get a very a nice smooth transition. So I think for someone like uh, uh, Evangelista, that's what I would recommend her to do is uh, do some deoxycholic acid and, and fan it around. Um, it's very easy. It's very artistic. It, it dissolves the fat. It's not a freezer though. So it doesn't have that same inflammatory process because it doesn't crystallize the fat. So there's a difference between crystallizing the fat and, and sending it into apoptosis and fanning a liquid fat dissolver because the liquid fat dissolver works differently. The liquid fat dissolver, it's called deoxycholic acid under the, um, the brand name of Kybella. Deoxycholic acid is actually made inside of our gallbladders. And when we eat any kind of fatty foods, our gallbladders release deoxycholic acid in order to break down the fatty foods that we just ate. So when we inject deoxycholic acid in and around areas where we're trying to reduce fat, the way that deoxycholic acid works is on the membrane of the fat cell. It makes the membrane of the fat cell porous. And the free fat then leaks out of the porous membrane. And our bodies then recognize that, that fat cell as debilitated or damaged. And our, our bodies then go to re, remove the fat cell and remove the free fat surrounding it. So it works very differently than the Zeltique. Uh, my recommendation to someone, to Evangelista, for what she's going through is fan around with uh, deoxycholic acid, fan that area to see if you can't uh, break down that fat and, and get rid of it once and for all because it, it does not crystallize it like Zeltique would. So two th that made me think of two things. So A, it sounds like you think you could fix her, eh? I'd love to get my hands on her. I think I could. I, I, I absolutely think I could help her. Absolutely. And the other thing I just want to point out is how much smarter that, than, than me you are. Um, and it, <laughs> so and it, smart. So right, smart. Like, you know so much more than I, like, I'm listening to you and I'm like, holy cow, you're impressive. <laughs> Sorry, Lauren. I'm just, I'm just a nerd. No, I, it's, I'm the nerd. I'm the nerd in the family. <laughs> no, and I love that. And so I got my information from online, so it could or could not be true, but it says that she had two unsuccessful corrective surgeries. So I'm wondering what like kind of surgeries do you think she actually had? My guess is uh, she probably had um, lipo done, liposuction, when they go in with a cannula and they either suck out the fat or they go in with, uh, do like a smart lipo, which is a heated cannula that kind of burns the fat around there. Uh, those are two very popular procedures to get rid of fat. Okay. Do you have any other questions, Dr. Cohen? No, I'm just uh, always in awe and dumbfounded and amazed when I, when I hear you talk about this stuff. I know how much you love it and I know how much, <laughs> how amazing you are. And, and I know how much patients love you 
um, and you're you're really you really are the master <laughs> injector. Yes, th- thank thanks you. so much for explaining that. Now I feel like I finally understand after trying to read about it. Thank you. Yeah, I'm here for you guys any anytime anytime you want. Love you, Burn. Love you too, husband. <laughs> <laughs> All right, All right have you. good tennis. Thank you. Talk to you later. See you at home. Okay. Bye. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye. All right. Well, you watching anything? Uh, doing anything interesting this weekend? I want to go to that Van Gogh immersive thing, but I don't. But I don't know if we're going to make it to it. It's it keeps popping up on, you know, it kind of shows up on my Instagram constantly. The Van Gogh immersive thing. Yeah, if you go and get tickets, let us know how it is. It's very popular. Cool. Definitely. Yeah, a lot of people have gone. What about you? Are you watching anything or doing anything? Um, I'm watching. Only Murders in the Building. I'm not caught up yet. It's uh, with Martin Short and Steve Martin. It's on Hulu. It's like a comedy. Uh, Selena Gomez is in it. It's apparently Hulu's top comedy ever, which I'm so happy that like Steve Martin and Martin Short have, you know, this resurgence in the TV. Is it good? It's funny. Yeah, it's cute. What is it called? Only Murders in the Building? Mm-hmm. It's about, so they they actually start their own podcast. Um about a murder in their building and uh they're trying to be like the true crime podcast to get on that wave and but it's cute cool all right all right well thanks for listening everyone thanks for listening everyone that's it for this week thanks for listening to gross anatomy and be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can check out more episodes on the evolving sights smells and sounds of medicine gross anatomy is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice diagnosis or treatment Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition.